I got green juice, cucumber, celery, apple. If I want a little sweeter, I might use a pineapple. Green juice, all this deliciousness. Hey, fresh cruciferous, got me feeling magnificent. I got green juice, cucumber, celery, apple. If I want a little sweeter, I might use a pineapple. Green juice, hey, all this deliciousness. Fresh Got me feeling Hello folks, welcome Green to Gardopia Gardens Podcast, Growing Our Future. Today we have an amazing guest, Dominic Dominguez. He is our Chief Operations Officer and a really talented, amazing person. So, Dominic? Hi, Stephen. It's good to be here. We've had many talks before. I'm glad to finally get one, which is you and I, and for the people, for the people who are here listening to us, we really appreciate it, the time to take away and hear what we have to talk about. Definitely, man. So if people are listening, if this is your first time, I'd encourage you to go check out our website, social media to learn more about Gardopia. And if you already know about Gardopia, then I'm going to go ahead and jump into Dominic and tell us a little bit about who you are. Like, who is Dominic Dominguez? San Antonio homegrown. I've been in San Antonio all my life with the exception of going out for education, higher learning. Sure. So the only time I ever left, I was going to St. Edwards University in Austin, Mm -hmm. Texas, where I studied environmental science and policy. And then about a year and a half ago, I then went to Dallas to go study at Southern Methodist University in their sustainability and development program. But grew up next to Jefferson High School. And then over time, I had a family that actually lived in the east side of San Antonio. So I had my grandmother, I had my aunts and my uncles. So just down the street from Gardopia, I was baptized at St. Patrick's Catholic Church. And then my mother has actually been a part of the East Side in terms of being a professor at St. Philip's College for almost three decades. Three decades. Yeah. Wow. So it's it's amazing to just be back in, in San Antonio after being away for so long, especially during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons people ask me is, why, do you, why did you go to school? Why did you do that? For me, it's always ever been known and, and that's for good citizenship right okay. mm-hmm. you want to be a good citizen i want to be a good citizen and right to I be a good citizen you need education well i think that you can be a good citizen without education sure that's completely okay this idea of just learning mm-hmm. being able to learn having exposure and bringing in different types of thoughts and different types of skill sets that could not be readily available within your community sure. say for somebody like yourself how many people really knew about health But then how many people can follow your blend of saying, I'm going to have health and gardening combined. So you bring Mm -hmm. something new when at least you've been exposed to knowledge, right? So I'm a big advocate for exposure, exposure to knowledge. That is always the great thing about, I feel, being a good citizen and and then Mm -hmm. giving that information back in the best way that you can, right? Service. Mm-hmm. It has always been something really important to me. Nice, nice. And so born and raised in San Antonio, went to Austin for college, studied environmental science and policy, went to Dallas, studied sustainability and development. Yep. What got you into gardening? Like, how does that tie into gardening? Yeah. How is gardening environmental science? How is gardening sustainability? Yeah, it's a big question. And it really happened when I was at St. Edwards University. Mm-hmm. There was a garden steward there, and her name was Ashley Shaw. And she was one grade above me, and she would always say, hey, come to the garden. Come to the garden. And I didn't. (laughs) We were in the same degree program. So Ashley Shaw, if you're listening... 
Shout out, you Ashley. were there. Shout out to you. <laughs> so before that, you were in a garden. I was not. No. Absolutely. And Ashley Shaw is somebody who lived in Dripping Springs, and she was the garden steward. And every day she would walk past me and say, why aren't you at the community garden? that I'm taking care of. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you here? Mm-hmm. Why, why aren't you here? And I was like, oh my gosh, I should probably go. Mm-hmm. I just said, now nah, I'll be there next week. I'll be there next week. It'll be okay. Until one day, I just got out of stats class and I was walking to my car and she passes me with this huge bag, humongous bag of just produce okay. that she grew from the garden. Nice. And I was so like, you grew that? Mm-hmm. I can't believe it. And so then I then started to get this interest in gardening. I went over there and I just saw this community, the community of students coming sure, together sure. and not only learning about things inside of the classroom, about our food systems, about the environment, about people, but really seeing that in practice. And so then later down the line, as I had the opportunity to study abroad in Costa Rica Mm. and see different styles of agriculture, gardening, of farming, and it's integrated with our lives. And I feel like here in the US, you don't see that. Mm -hmm. But in Central America, it's, it's more... I feel common. Yeah. Agriculture is more connected to the culture. It is. Agriculture is You might have a cow in your front yard, right? (laughs) Well, one of the things that we had to do when we were in Costa Rica was do an observation of something in particular. Mm -hmm. A lot of the Central American produce like bananas, they're not labeled. We're here in the United States. You're going to see a lot of labeling and packaging from like Dole and things like that. Because they had to get it here in those packages. Exactly. Yeah. And so... That was just very exciting and seeing people have normalized having bees and honey and, and having a sustainable ranch, Rancher Margo, where I stayed, where you could see the beautiful backdrop of the mountains, the, the water rushing down. Right it was now, amazing, man. man. Yeah, and beautiful. we don't have to be this kind of dichotomy. Mm-hmm. I can be away or I can be with nature. Mm-hmm. There, there is mm-hmm. a blend. Yep. There is this intersection. And that's what really got me with Gardopia Gardens. Okay. Yeah. So. What do, you, what do you see? Where does that blend happening here with Gardopia? If you look at Gardopia and where it was, all of our viewers know it was a vacant lot. Mm-hmm. We see places that are people would say are underused or even eyesores. But space, space is a very, it's a rare thing. And while we have space right now, how do we choose to use that space? Mm-hmm. Can we take that space and as we know, we have a growing population from 7 billion people to now we're pushing 8, 9, 10 billion. Mm-hmm. Space is going to, it's a very prized asset, land mm-hmm. in general. So when we have land, how do we want to utilize that land? Do we want to have it as, uh, do we want to leave it as an eyesore? Do we want to have spaces that they're not getting their use? Yes, we have this space, but how are we using it? in a really interesting way. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I looked at Gardopia, it was just a, just the seed. It it was kind of like that metaphor of looking at a plant growing from a crack in the sidewalk. Sure, sure. (laughs) We are a crack in the sidewalk, definitely. And now that plant, Uh, five to six years later, it's matured. And now it's really beautiful and it's created a beautiful Maybe that's a rose plant, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's something really awesome. And now people where that plant would normally, somebody would step on it when it was little, 
now it's big and beautiful and it makes people happy and it brings them purpose. Mm -hmm. It gives them a sense of joy, a sense of recreation. That's the metaphor that I kind of see with Cardopia as it's moved throughout its lineage. Sure, sure. And as you know, um, there's many examples of Cardopia all around the world, mm-hmm. United States, even mm-hmm. in Texas. So what? how do we uh, integrate urban agriculture into the city uh, with development? Because a lot of people say, well, what's the best use of a property? What's the best use of space? So how can we find a happy medium between this uh, urban infill and creating all this density because we're expecting a population growth, um, but also not push nature further away? How do we integrate nature? You know, people start talking about budgets. It's too expensive. Like, can it be done? It can be done. It can be done with sustainable development. Mm -hmm. Thinking about not just having growth for profit. Profit is good. Right. In sustainability, the three pillars are environment, social and economic. You have to have economic viability. Mm -hmm. But equally as important is, is this solution environmentally bearable and is this solution socially equitable? And so when you are taking a look at the very basic, a framework of sustainability, I feel is something that at least in policy, at least when we're talking about structure engineers, when we're talking about city planners, Those are considerations that maybe weren't in practice 40, 60, 100 years ago. But as we've kind of developed to understand these trends of new urbanism and people like Lynch, Kevin Lynch come out, or many, many awesome architects and designers that have gone out there, they're really pushing the envelope. When you talk about different styles of of techniques, it does take thought. Is the space that we're having, is it human scale? Does it have the appropriate technology? Does it have historical tradition? Does it have regional connection? Is it going to be able to have and accommodate mass transit or transit going in and out? Are we talking about transit-oriented developments where we're strategically putting places, cities, or, or locations that are of value next to transit stations? Are we encouraging bike routes there's all those things, and, and I'm sure there, there's wonderful people. Uh, Jessica Bunsen, who is a longtime friend, and I believe works with the city. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, TCI. Yeah, she, uh, she knows quite a bit, too. And then also another good person I haven't talked to you in a while, Joey Pollock, if you are here. This is another amazing person to talk about transportation. But there are so many aspects of sustainability, not just transportation, energy, mm-hmm. right, is another The one. food, energy, water nexus. Yes, Absolutely. And so it is the, I feel, the obligation of our policymakers, of our, as elected officials, to constantly be thinking about what is good for my community, not just in the immediate short term economic viability wise, but what is good for that 10, 15, 20, 30 years going out mm-hmm. and thinking about how these systems are going to be at play with each other. It can happen. Urban ag is happening right now. We understand that it's just a small little component within this big realm of sustainability. Sure, sure. I love it, man. Well, you clearly know a lot about that. And so here you are working with Gardopia now. Um, Where do you see Gardopia going in the next few years? Like, how can we 
truly be a part of that solution? And even beyond Guardopia, you know, what do you see yourself doing to continue to be a servant, uh, a good citizen of our community? Yeah. Two-part question. Uh, where, where is Guardopia? Guardopia's mission is expanding. And it has me reflecting on what it means constantly. And will our mission evolve over time? It may. It may not. It really depends on the need that is here that nonprofits try to do. They try to address a need. But in the immediate zero to three years, really building out both our, our educational programs and then showing and modeling, modeling different styles of agriculture, modeling a good micro farm so that somebody can look at it and say, I can do that. I can have, I can have chickens at my house. Mm-hmm. You know, I can have uh, rabbits. It makes sense that if I have a two or three chickens, then I don't need to buy eggs anymore. Right. Think about all that packaging. All the packaging. Food miles. Food mileage. Exactly. The amount of CO2 that goes in the air, the amount of energy that goes into creating that packaging, the amount of oil that goes into doing that. It's life cycle cost analysis. The majority of mainstream packages, they are cradle to grave. They're born. They're it's over, right? Mm-hmm. They go straight to the grave. But how can we think about cradle to gate where we have this idea of an inception of a product and then it didn't get translated to gate or kind of rebirth of that material being used out? It's that. And that's what nature does. Yeah. Right. The decomposition process. Right. Born and reborn. And so that's what Gardobi is kind of doing. When we talk about our strategic goals, one of them is to consider long-term ecosystem change on a city and regional level. And one of those things is to try to become triple net zero. Can we harness all can we harness all of our energy? Can we harness all of our waste? Can we recycle all of our waste? Can we collect all of our rainwater on site? I believe we can. It's electrical uh, vehicle fleet. Electrical vehicle fleet with solar panels up in the sky. There we go. Why are we using municipal water mm-hmm. when we know that rainwater is more advantageous for plants in terms of nitrogen content. Oh, yeah. It just makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And not just that, triple net zero says, I'm going to be zero waste. Regenerative design says, I'm going to, and I'm going to put more back into the system. Mm-hmm. So I may be harvesting all this energy, but now I'm, I'm positive. I'm net positive. I'm putting more energy. I'm putting back more water. I'm taking my waste and I'm putting it back. That's really amazing. And that's mm-hmm. really on the forefront of futuristic cities and all these great things that are going on. It's so interesting to me because everything is cyclical because as you said, when you went to Costa Rica and even prior, um, you know, civilizations, like it was just part of the culture. Mm -hmm. And as far advanced as we are around computer technology, it seems like we've digressed in regards to our food and waste systems. Right. And it's almost like we're trained to like throw it away. Right. But what is throw it away? Where am I throwing it? It's going to the grave, and that's the landfill, and we know what's happening with CO2 production and microplastics and overall leaching into our soils and into our water and on and on and on. And you're talking life cycle cost analysis. Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing. You're talking the complete fate of our decisions, Mm -hmm. and that's education, and that's what it is for our listeners. The big challenge out to our listeners is to say, what are the repercussions of my actions? Mm-hmm. What are the impacts of the actions that I do every day? And I'm guilty, y'all. I'm guilty too. I'm guilty. Look here. We're, we're guilty. Plastic bottle. I get it. And even though we're doing this, is it a reminder that for the future, mm-hmm. 
incrementally we can do these changes agreed over agreed. and over because it can't i'm not going to say it can't happen overnight mm -hmm. sometimes you have these boom huge paradigm shifts awakenings in the public mindset and those things can happen sometimes there can be different regulatory alternatives or incentives to do that such as like plastic bag bans or maybe take 10 percent off of your food if you bring your own little clamshell or something like some universities do it's just thinking about these incremental steps and considering sustainability considering is the solution that i'm doing economically viable socially equitable and environmentally bearable that really is at the crux of at least what john elkington was trying to say when he coined that phrase sure sure well one thing i want to ask you to finish off with is from all your studies where is a space that has done it well is there a city is there a country who's really thinking sustainably regeneratively or even just a good example of of a park or a building that you've seen what is something for some inspiration that we can go towards well one of them that I really enjoyed was a case study. And I'll ha it started, the, the city uh, started with the C, and it's in cent uh, Central or South America. <sighs> it's escaping my mind. But this city had a really interesting program about waste. Mm -hmm. And so if you went around and you picked up waste from your neighborhood and you put it in bags, mm -hmm. you could go take that to the municipal solid waste and you could get bus tokens. Hmm. You could get library books. You you could get books, could spirals, get Bitcoin? pencils, <laughs> Bitcoin. Yeah, you you could get all these things, okay, right? That the the public system is already using. Yeah, incentivizing public transit. Yeah, providing spirals and notebooks and paper and pencils to kids. Yeah, just makes sense. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's beautiful. I love it. It's yes. Okay, I understand. It's incentivizing clean up trash and we want to be at the forefront why is there trash anyway and shift that mindset but then we also want to be at the forefront of saying i want to educate i want to be preventative and on the other side we understand that things happen i want to be reactive two good considerations but it's an amazing uh, for our listeners I will go find that city for you yes, on, the, on the yes. next message. We'll have to Maybe put, we'll put it in, in the, the show, show notes. notes. Yep, yes, I do have. Yes. Um, <laughs> I do have that article, yeah. and I bet you there's a lot of different places all over the world that are doing and having that forethinking. And I really appreciate the political systems, the governments that value it, mm -hmm. because if if we don't value it, we're not going to be able to manifest it, sure. right? So how can we and our political officials and the people of power, or power, right? The people who are supposed to represent us. Sure, decision makers. Decision makers that are supposed to be of us. Mm -hmm. Can we put people that are gonna value environment, social equity, mm -hmm. environmentally bearable, education, health and environment? Can we put those people that are gonna be in there? Can we at least have those conversations and get them going? Can we at least have the awareness? If not, we're gonna be working with the young people to get them, to get you sure, young people. Because we're all going to, we're all, we should, we all lead our own lives right. at the minimum. Um, but yeah, you're right. Working with the youth is, is critical. And as you know, as an educator, um, that's one of the best places to make change. Rock on, man. 
Well, thank you, Dominic, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Look forward to our continued journey together here at Gardopia. And uh, for all our viewers, until next time, y'all can check us out at Gardopia Gardens, gardopiagardens.org. I want to do a quick VOD Pod commercial. So I want to give a shout out to VOD Pod Media, Guylon Jackson, doing great work here in downtown San Antonio. You can check out his website, vodpodmedia.com, and uh, go ahead and schedule your consultation or get your podcast recorded.